0: Thank you sir. Good morning. I've been seeing um, some fur coats and some boots, uh, so I guess uh, winter is uh, fast approaching. (laughs) Whatever excuse you have to wear those warm coats and those sweaters, go ahead and take it. Because you only have a few weeks of uh, that type of weather left anyways. Uh, This morning, I want to welcome you uh, to the house of God, house in the sense that it is built up of lively stones, you and I, who embody the spirit to uh, act and to work in the environment where people need not only to hear theory, but also see what living with God looks like. And in that vein, <clears throat> I want us to begin to look at uh, two items, uh, two images uh, for the, over the next two weeks. So this morning we'll be dealing with um, temples, and next week we will finish it off with an altar. <clears throat> and so God speaks and brings forth creation to share the peace and the communion that exists within the Godhead. God plants a garden, Garden of Eden, Eden meaning delight, and he puts humans there to replicate peace and communion. And they are the first priests or caretakers of the plants, the animals, and each other. But we all know how the story goes. They fall And so he pursues them breathlessly and establishes another place where he can meet them while they try to grow up, so to speak. Uh, We are speaking of the tabernacle. So we go from the Garden of Eden to the tabernacle, and as the Israelites are on the move toward Canaan's land... God is with them and in that space he brings shalom through the tabernacle but then they pause their movement and we have a temple being built and within that temple next slide please, within that temple we have images from the garden of Eden as the menorah uh, which symbolize the tree of life which you might know from the festival of lights or Hanukkah and so The priests have to work and keep up the temple in God's presence. The Garden of Eden, the tabernacle, the temple are ways in which God had tried to create a space where His people could experience peace and safety and blessing. The full experience of shalom. And so before we end this sermon on today... We hope to have spoken clearly on this idea that the temples of God always bring his peace, his shalom, to the place that they are rooted. Next slide, please. As we go forth, we understand that in between heaven and earth, there stands a space. And as we try to figure out what God is doing and what we are to be doing, we have the idea that through the centuries, God has acted within that space to speak clear, but to also demonstrate. And that demonstration culminates in his son, which we will see right now in Luke chapter 19. Next slide, please. So here is the first half of Our text will end with the Corinthian text, but as we go forth into our sermon, Luke 19, verse 45 reads When Jesus entered into the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, My house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching in the temple. But the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet, they could not find any way to do it because all the people hung on his words. Let us have a prayer before we get into our lesson. Dear Father, as we seek to <clears throat> open up the idea of being your temple, your conduit to bring shalom Please allow us to imagine and to experience your scripture, Heavenly Father, and to wrestle with the conclusions as we go forth to seek to be those temples in our society. This yes, we ask for Christ. And we pray, Amen. <clears throat> the idea of God's shalom, peace, is rooted in Isaiah chapter number two, where the prophet speaks about beating swords into plowshares. Next slide, please. And so in New York City, uh, next, close to the, the UN building, there is a sculpture that is given the name, Let Us Beat Swords Into Plowshares, done by Yevgeny Butchitik. I think that's how you, you, you pronounce that. Butchotik. This idea symbolizing that a day is coming for Israel's salvation where There would be no more fighting or aggravation. But that the whole nation would be embedded and seated in peace. And it's sort of a, you know, just miraculous, so to speak, to understand that this idea, this concept in the prophets is taken and given life and body and image by an artist. In the throes of New York, this stands, let us beat Our swords into plowshares. The concept of peace and human civility is not a foreign one. We know it all too well in our society, oftentimes in theory, but sometimes it comes out in art and song, and so on the dawn of the 1960s during the Vietnam War, we have a song being penned by Yoko Ono and John Lennon. Next slide, please. and the so happy. War is over. I just brought in some Christmas feelings to a few people. Amen. This is embodied in the shalom that God brings to his people. And as this song comes out in a countercultural sort of way to aid a movement in this society, I would like you to home in on the idea of war being over. The shalom of God brings to his people. After they have destroyed themselves, subsequently the creation that God has formed and fashioned and said that it was good. So look around, not just in here, for we all are broken beings, but look around as you drive on the highways. Look around as you traverse in your neighborhoods. We are broken and we have lost our peace. We continue to fight, if not nation against nation, But human against human, we continue to denigrate each other on talk shows and, you know, um, TV stations and news desks to act recklessly toward the environment, to hunt for sport and not for sustenance. In many ways, the world is not a delight. We have trashed the place. We are disconnected from each other. And from creation care. Though that's a new word, creation care. It is not a new word. It is entrenched even in the beginning when God said, I am leaving you in charge as stewards over the plants and animals and your relationship. Affordable, unaffordable housing. Who cares? Next slide, please. Who cares if I hunt? Not for food, but for trophies and who cares about Greta Thunberg, the 11 year old from Europe who said enough is enough I want to use my voice to call attention to the planet and to our practices on this planet the ice caps are not melting the weather will one day regulate itself because it is all political jargon right the idea of acting on behalf of God I want us to concentrate on this morning, acting as he would act, towards the environment because he created it and he said it was good towards the animals because he created them and said they were good and towards each other because we are all created in the image and likeness of God. Next slide, please. As we get into our text for this morning, for the first movement, we want to see Jesus as he goes back to the temple to drive out, not just the common people, to drive out chief priests and leaders, people who essentially are doing the same work, the same task, like the Levitical priests in the Old Testament. So he enters a place built to represent himself, the place where blessing and grace, and peace, and the shalom of God should have been represented and mediated. He cleanses it. Because there's some stuff in there that should not be in there. Some practices that betrayed the purpose of why the temple stood in the first place. A den of robbers. You, the priest, set up to work and steward according to God's reputation. were are still in life and hope. Instead of giving life and hope. And the people could not go to temple number three or four. That was temple number two. And Where are they going to go to meet God? Where are they going to go to receive the blessing, the shalom of God? So he takes up residence there and he begins to teach. Every day he's expounding on what life influenced by the temple should look like, should feel like. And the people were mesmerized. They're like, man, we've been going to this temple for years upon years upon years, our grandfathers, our grandmothers, and we've never heard that the temple stood for these things, these principles. You can see us. We can see ourselves. We know our value. And we've never heard this from the clergy The men of the cloth, so to speak, who are responsible to bring God to the people. While the people are showing up to hear this good news, the clergy wants to kill God in the flesh. God comes to his house and addresses the people who run or steward his house and they want to kill him. You know, Bob Marley said one time, in a quote, that you can fool some people sometimes, but you can't fool all of the people all the time. I guess some Bob my listeners, okay, okay, all right, I see. You. And so when the people heard the truth, they saw that there was a difference, and they wanted it. This irresistible grace, this irresistible way of being, of these attractive things that God is doing in the environment and society. That they have been locked away from. Everything is rushing in and they love it and they want more of it. And I just could not get past the image that God in the flesh came to a temple built in his honor for his reputation. And the priests were trying to kill him. Because they went down so far. They did not recognize the character of God anymore. And I told the kids upstairs this morning in our youth group meeting that you should never accept religion or religiosity without the spirit of God that you are to question and ask whether is this thing God has required and decreed, whether this is it. Don't just do stuff because well that's what always has always been done. Ask questions and ask, what is the Lord doing? What does the Lord want us to do? Don't just say, well, you know, we can't change things because that's the way it is. What happens? What happens when temples turn to dens for robbers? What happens when temples turn to dens for robbers? Next slide, please. Howard Thurman <clears throat> was a Florida-born author, theologian, philosopher. I think he was born in Daytona Beach in about 1899 and he died in San Francisco in 1981 if I remember correctly. Howard Thurman wrote a book called Jesus and the Disinherited. And in those pages are filled with grace, with love fleshing out what God looks like in society and there's one story that Howard relates to In the 1930s, he's on a train, I think going toward Memphis. And as he sat there, there was another lady in the next car who sat next to him, and she motioned to the conductor, and she asked, Conductor, what is that doing next to me? And the conductor looked at her. He looked at Mr. Thurman and said to the lady, That has a ticket. And I could not help but think <laughs> the Spirit of God prompting this man to say, Hey, recognize humanity when you see it. Recognize humanity when it's next to you. Next slide, please. The same man, the same man who turned around and say, There must be always remaining in every life some place for the singing of angels. Someplace for that which in itself is breathless and beautiful. The idea that God is pursuing us and has been breathlessly to teach us what we are to be like, to look like. What it has to feel like when you get around God's people. And the beautiful in the sense that he gives us Images to understand what it will look like when the body, diverse, the body, eclectic, gets together to honor and to represent God in the temple. There'll be shalom. There'll be peace. There'll be no more denigration. There will be upliftment and recognition of value and life, real life. What happens when temples... Turn to Dens for Robbers. Next slide, please. Um, As I perused Facebook a few weeks ago, I saw that one of my friends in Alachua County, um, a nurse practitioner, had this post up. I think it's still there. Um, And so she was venting after uh, an afternoon of unfortunate events in a courtroom She says, today I fought chairs all day. Most of the time, they won. I had to listen to a nine-year-old girl wondering why a family court judge in Alachua County would send her back to the home in which she had been repeatedly molested for over four years. She was so strong. She didn't break. She was just incredulous that the judge said she had to go back. LEOs, DCF, CPT, and all involved and testified, but it meant nothing. Teachers and faculty testified for this precious soul. How good of a kid she was, and to her exemplary character, I'm, I'm all bewildered, I'm disgusted, I'm nauseated. The mother exhausted every avenue within the confines of the law. Even some gray areas, I am begging, pleading with any one of you who may know of any path we could pursue. Judges and intellectuals rule sometimes with wisdom of the world. No compassion or dignity or care for persons that need protection. And I'm saying to you as we gather and we listen to those words... Every opportunity you get to act in behalf of another soul, we act out of righteousness, out of justice, out of mercy. Because even if you are so intellectual and so degreed, that does not guarantee that the Spirit of God will flow through you or show up. Because just take a look at this landscape. Politically, socially, people are smart, they are intellectual, they are Harvard degreed, and they still do a lot of nonsense the spirit of God is not the wisdom of the world or the wisdom of man the spirit of God is distinct and it is embedded in the reputation of God and so I remember growing up on the islands mom said go to the shopkeeper and ask for a loaf of bread a pound of sugar and a pound of flour and I'm going and I'm receiving those things and one day I had a bright idea shopkeeper, I need a loaf of bread, a pound of sugar, a pound of flour, and two blow pops. <laughs> if you don't know what blow pops are, they're lollipops. And I felt pretty good. I was like, "Okay. Things are changing around here. I have authority." But then I went home and it wasn't a good night. I won't go into all the details. But it wasn't a good night because I put in jeopardy the reputation of my parents with the shopkeeper. There was an understanding and my job in the understanding was to show up and receive goods, not to dictate the items in the bag. But for that moment, I decided to forget about that contract, forget about the understanding and act in my own behalf I wanted blow pops, (laughs) and I did not know that by my actions, the reputation of my parents was were at stake. Was at stake. And so, what if the next morning, my father, unknowing, went and paid for a loaf of bread, a pound of flour, and a pound of sugar, and the shopkeeper said, "Aren't you paying for the blow pops?" What blowpops? We didn't order any blow pops. Do you realize that relationship might have been strained? That they would have lost the ability to credit? All because I wanted something that I thought I really needed to have. Let me put it to you this way bluntly. We determine what people think about God, whether we like it or not. And so we go out and we act in behalf of his reputation. And what you say and, or don't say, do or don't do, cultivates the soil of souls concerning what they think about God. And there are many people who don't want God today, who don't want churches, not because of what God says, but because of what his so-called representatives say and do. You might be thinking, well, this is just one nine-year-old girl. One nine-year-old girl is too much. No one should experience that sort of trauma, especially when people are in control to look at evidence and they say, well, you know, we're not going to do that because of protocol. We break protocol every single day in this country to do things for people with money and prestige. So next slide, please. Jesus says, I'm coming in, and this edifice, this facility, should represent my father. I'm coming in, and I see people wandering, and they're bewildered, and they're not connected, and they feel devalued in the midst of the temple where God's grace should shine and be mediated, where people could have real peace. They are disturbed And they're getting all these false images and false information concerning what God is and what he requires of us. You know, but sometimes we get a glimmer of hope. Hope that God's people could remember and return to being conduits of a mighty God wanting to bring peace and shalom to all. Next slide, please. And so, as I look at this picture, it tells the story of a few Afghanistan women and this little boy who are here now. Lady is tearful, you know, she's very appreciative, but I would like to home in on the little dude right there. This is the face of a kid, and he doesn't know why there's war in his country. He doesn't know why he has to be thousands of miles away from, the, from his birthplace. He does not know the meaning of the political left or the political right. He's just happy in the moment to be a kid, chilling. Maybe he might get a burger and some fries later on. But in that moment, in that space, he's happy to be a kid. He's happy because of the graciousness of strangers. And he's not getting into the debate of the border and all those immigration laws that really muddy our ideas of, you know, being, being strangers in the land or, you know, giving, you know, strangers, you know, repose in the land. He does not understand all those things. These are over his head. He just knows that in this space, he could be a kid. He could have a burger and some fries because of the graciousness of people. As we think about those things, we turn to you. Your last scripture. Next slide, please. We turn to First Corinthians 6, verse 19 to 20. It says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. You can't say that to Americans. You can't say that to people like me who have freedom. You can't say stuff like that. You know, I have my rights. I have been bought by who? For what? People will kick back on that every single day because this is America. I have been bought for price. I am not my own. Do you know that people will pick apart a sermon and they'll take the price that they like and those that they don't like, they'll discard because that is your right? Do you know that people will leave churches because they feel, well, you know, Dave, I mean, I don't like that song you sang. It wasn't really, you know, up to par, so I'm going to go somewhere else. People do that all the time because they have rights. And the Bible that we uphold to say that we are looking and we are wanting transformation says, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, as a consequence, honor God with your bodies. It's not just the Corinthian radicals. It's the bodies inclusive of your mind, your speech, and your actions. In 538 BC, about 42,000 Jewish people head back to the Holy Land after about 50 years of being in slavery in Babylon. And after two years, they get to erect the foundation for the second temple. This temple that Jesus just cleansed, right? After 23 years, the temple is built. And the elders who remember Solomon's grand temple begin to cry. They begin to weep because they're like, man, we remember Solomon's temple. That's not it. That's not it. We remember the glory, the grandeur, and that looks nothing like what we saw. And they just cried and cried and cried. Here's the point. There are people out there who know what God's temple should look like. And it's not just people in churches. Because God is not just coming to people in churches on a Sunday. He's out there doing good work. They know how it feels to be around a temple used for God by God. They know what it sounds like and what it is, the overall experience of being in the midst of someone Who really is a temple, a conduit, a medium for God to establish and rain down His shalom, His peace, His blessing? I told the kids upstairs this morning. In preparing this lesson, I really got to points where I just didn't want to do it anymore. Because the more I looked at it, I didn't—I didn't really match up. I was like, I don't want to handle this. This is crazy. I don't want to do this because some days I can be in a mood, you know, or I could be all about myself, just inward facing. I know who I am might be the only human in there who knows how they are, and that's fine. But it challenged me that he has so much more for us to see, to experience, and to feel that whenever we keep ourselves from this experience, we hold back the blessing of God, the peace of God, the shalom of God for our life. I said, so I'm not worried about being perfect. I want to fail forward. Learning with every lesson. And every opportunity, I say, remember, what would God do? You know, we had this cheap bracelet a few years ago. What would Jesus do? It was a fad. It was very simple and easy. And then it just went away. But I'm bringing it back. What would Jesus do? What would he say? And sometimes we don't want to mess with that type of Christianity because we know if we go all in, we have to change. And some folks don't want to change. I know, I don't sometimes. If you go all in... You don't get to dictate. You don't get to decide. So there are people who are like, I'm not really ready for the title of Christianity. Because I know if I go all in, I'm bought with a price. If I go all in, I have to honor God with my words, with my actions, with my speech. You have the opportunity this morning, as we wind down, to give someone Christmas. Yes, the war is over. John Lennon and Yoko Ono. Give them feelings of hope in the world in humanity, in a God who still hears and visits the afflicted, the faithful, and those who want to be faithful. Don't give them old temple vibes. Okay? Can we agree on that this morning? Do not give them old temple vibes. Give them the new, because the war is over. Well, at least it should be. As I... Seek to wrap up this morning. I would like you to think that as you rise to your feet and as you venture out those doors, if you can go back and live the very same way that we've been living after hearing these words concerning temple use, then that's going to be hard. The power is not within you, the power is with God. He's not asking you to do anything that's impossible. He's asking you to give yourself a rest and step back so that you can create a space for him to work in your actions, in your words, in your speech. Be a temple of God and bring shalom. Don't pretend like you don't see things. Don't pretend like you don't hear things. Act, because in many places, you are the only temple of God. And if people can't come to you, where are they going to go? So as Christ drove out the den of robbers, the chief priests, leaders, the clergy, he said, I have to cleanse because there's nowhere else for my people to go. And I'm wrestling with these things. As I invite you, and I'm not preaching at you, but preaching with you. I wrestle with those things. But I want to understand what it is to dwell in the grace of God. To let shalom come. For if it comes, I will be enveloped and changed and transformed by it as well. So as you rise to sing our song, Brother Dave, ask yourself this question. What does it look like for God's shalom? come through